Hello, this is Mark with Tea Time. Is that what you call it? That's what I call it now. <laughs> okay. Was it always Tea Time? No, it was typically actually called the Fish Bowl. I switched it. Why? Just because well, someone, someone told me recently. Oh, yeah, Tree Cup now. Exactly. They said, you have a podcast, but like it doesn't really connect with it everything you're doing you know when i think of you i think about the tea guy so you should call it tea time and i'm like okay well we actually have some tea here we're drinking tea so it's fitting we are drinking tea honestly it's really funny i was talking to some people at a wedding today and i told them i was staying with you for a couple days afterward and i said yeah i'm staying with mark sotomayor they're like who i was like the tamo dude they're like oh i know who that is Literally everyone knows who that is. They were Grovers, so yeah, you're the only fair. person that might be known more than Ben Demers. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. That's sweet. Well, it's good that I'm known as a Taomo guy. What Tree Cup used to be called, I'd love to be known as the Tree Cup guy ASAP. Yeah, if anybody ever figures that out. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's a problem with branding switches. It takes a while for people to actually like catch on. Um, the company I'm working for right now, Booz Allen Hamilton, um, they like in the industry everyone calls them Booz, which <laughs> HR decided to try to restructure. Um, for so, obvious reasons. Yeah, so they tried to get everyone to call them Booz Allen, but that's just about as popular as getting people at Grove City to call the Sack Stew. Um, it just it just doesn't happen. Both in the in their own company and outside of the company, the rest of the industry just doesn't call them booze either. Nick um, doesn't call them booze Allen either, um, and so it becomes really difficult for them to to switch it at all. Yeah, um, it's tough. It's tough. You know the name switch. It's like it's like deciding to call your kid something else. Right. Like a nickname can only really catch on with a new group of people. Or if, I mean, it really catches on. Right. Now, I know you have your own business. I do. Me and you, Caleb, uh, for the Tea Time audience, we have been roommates. Well, not roommates. Sweet mates. mates. Yeah. Okay, so we live across a bathroom from each other. Uh, this past school year, my junior year, Caleb's sophomore year at Grove City College. Mm -hmm. So uh, we were happy Grovers there, room, uh, sweeting together. It was fun. Yeah. And I uh, really got to know you. Um, it was funny. Whenever the year prior, my sophomore year, your freshman year at the end of it, I remember you were wearing a trench coat. And it was uh, roommate pick day. It's, it's like. Was I wearing a trench coat that day? You were wearing day? a trench coat that day. Oh, gosh. It's imprinted into my mind. <laughs> and then you're like, hey, can I, I room like with you? I trench coat. Huh? I do like that trench coat. It is nice. Yeah. It is that nice. You worked it. It's funny because that's a really polarizing, like, coat. Because some people are right. like, you look like a pedophile. And some people are like, you look like a badass. Yeah. And, and there's no in-between. Yeah. Either I'm a pedophile or I'm James Bond. You never, there's no in-between. It's more Sherlock Holmes than James Bond. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, I, I you know. I was polarized. That's yeah. for sure. I was polarized. <laughs> and uh, us entrepreneurs typically are polarizing. Exactly. Yeah, that's actually what you know. Ben Demers told yeah. me the dude whose wedding you were at today. He said, "Mark, 
you have just a very abrasive personality. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what does abrasive? Well, I asked him like two weeks later, what do you mean by abrasive? And then he's like, just it can rub you right or it can rub you wrong. Well, I can tell you exactly what he meant. Um, and a friend of mine, do you know John Walton? Yeah. Yeah, he was pointing this out to me today. We're both very forward people. We both tell each other and everybody else that we actually know and care about exactly what we think. Um, we we don't pull our punches. And honestly, I think we both honestly believe that's the best way to live. Because if you're not giving your honest feedback to people, then you really are lying to them long term. Um, mm. So... Um, Definitely an interesting thought there. Yeah, and, and both of us are very forward people. Neither of us are the people to pull our punches on literally anything. I mean, I I just told you a couple minutes ago, your new tea flavor is kind of eh. But oh, I'm gonna have to make that recipe better. Yeah, I mean, you, you're still working on it. There's a lot of room for improvement. But yeah, there's there's a lot of. Um, I mean, tea is also just very. Uh, preferential. Exactly. So, let's talk about your business. Okay. So, first off, give me give me the pitch. Um, so, basically, it's a social media platform and messaging platform that doesn't need the internet, is impossible to censor, and is impossible to take down once it's put up. Okay. What inspired you to create this? That's actually a really interesting question. What's it called first, by the way? It's called Smoke Signals. The website is smokesignals.dev, not okay. .com, .dev. Um, I hope to get the .com domain when I have money. Um, but that's a good question. So I don't know. I can't really remember what the exact thing that inspired me to build the company from the get-go was. But I always knew – I've always been an advocate of free speech. I've always really – loved um free and open dialogue um and it always has rubbed me the wrong way that so many countries don't have that and so i had this original idea to just use peer-to-peer communication over the internet um to essentially create that system where you had um essentially a free speech platform that was impossible to censor. Then I realized, especially in countries like China, where they have a really robust firewall, um, they call it the Great Firewall of China, which I find entertaining. Um, but it, they would be able to adapt to it. And I would spend my entire career just trying to play cat and mouse, trying to bypass something they do, get around it, and constantly just working to bypass them. So I spent a night, all night, um, just researching, trying to figure out what is the only way, what, what is the way to bypass them once and once and for all. Then I realized you just have to not use the internet, um, which is an enormous challenge. Don't get me wrong. It's freaking hard. Um, Mark Zuckerberg had it easy. Um, but if you think about it, that's the only way to bypass a, ne- a whole country-wide firewall, to just not use the internet. Okay. So if you're not using the internet, then what are you using? So a couple things. Um, ad hoc Wi-Fi, which is a way to connect to Wi-Fi devices in essentially a mesh network. Um, Bluetooth, 
mesh networking, which is a protocol built in to the normal Bluetooth standard. Um, and then finally, we're looking into this right now. It's a dubious legal precedent, um, but we're looking into doing essentially direct peer-to-peer -peer connections over LTE. Um, so this is a really interesting thing. And if anybody's listening to this who works for Qualcomm, please reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. Um, because Qualcomm created this direct messaging um, SDK, which a, a library to make code easier to write. So what does SDK stand for? I don't remember. Okay. Um, no problem. But it just, it makes it, it's a library that you can add in um, so you don't have to write all of the code yourself. Okay. Um, so they created a essentially a library that allows you to do direct peer-to-peer -peer communication over LTE. Then they did a DMCA takedown, which is um, a legal term for taking down copyrighted material. They did a DMCA takedown of a bunch of GitHub repos, which is a place that coders put up their code um, in 2015, which is about the same time when this SDK just disappeared. Nobody has talked about it since. It has disappeared off the internet, except for one spot. There is a GitHub repository where they uploaded it, um, and then they removed it the same day. Um, but you can go back to the older uploads and pull it down. So that's what we did. So we have the SDK. We have an API key to access it. But we don't want to get sued by Qualcomm. That is not what we're in the business of doing. But we would love to be able to use this API. So I'm hoping to reach out to my uncle at some point who worked for Qualcomm. And I, I really just need to get into contact with Qualcomm's legal department um, because I don't want to get sued. But also, this would be a tremendous... Um, improvement to its ability to work without the internet. It can work pretty well with the internet too. So in the United States where there aren't censorship laws at this point, um, could be in the future, but at this point there aren't, it'll use the internet. But in China, it would be limited to the range of ad hoc Wi-Fi and Bluetooth mesh networking, which is at best around 50 meters. Um, LTE direct connections could give us around 500 meters. Okay, so let me get this straight. You want to market the Chinese yes fantastic that's really cool that's really cool I think you ever want to go over there no okay I probably wouldn't make it back tell me about your strategy in what way like so be a little bit more specific you're gonna target China yeah so you're a white dude do you know any <laughs> Mandarin uh no I have some I have some friends who um I'm going to talk to and really use them to try to impact the Chinese market. Um, Are they Chinese? Yes. Oh, cool. Um, David Chung. Oh, fantastic. Um, he's my he's my primary Chinese contact. I'm going to use him to help translate the app into Mandarin um, and get it all translated properly. And I don't know exactly how I'm going to market it over the seas. I'm not a marketing expert. There are marketing experts who I will hire when I have money. Um, that's actually something I'm looking into in the near future. I'm hoping to do fun. So if you know anyone or you're an investor. Yes, hit me up. Hit um, him up. And yeah. his, his information will be in the description. Okay, now, for people like, wow, Caleb, like, that's quite the idea. 
and I don't quite know exactly what you said, but I trust you. You know, it sounds like some software for sure. Um, here is me playing harmonica. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, okay, now back to you, Caleb. Uh-huh. Okay, so your plan is a good friend uh, from China uh, that you met at college. Yeah. That's fantastic. And what, what, what's next? So uh, directly next is doing some fundraising, um, probably... <clears throat> People in the conservative movement movement are going to be the ones that are most interested in funding it, um, especially with all of the news that's going around with Facebook and Instagram, mostly Facebook and Twitter, um, shadow banning and all of that with um, anybody in the conservative movement. Um, that's my primary audience in the United States, people who feel disenfranchised by the modern, the, the normal social media platforms um, who feel like their voice can't be heard on the traditional platforms and want a platform so where they won't be So you're first going to target Americans who don't want to use social media. Right. Um, that's where my primary funding will come from because, fun fact, you can't serve ads without the internet. Um, See. So that's where my primary revenue will come from. The long-term goal is censorship-free countries. Um Creating censorship-free countries. Um, so your goal is for these countries who don't allow freedom of speech to just be fed up so much with your app that you created that allows them to have freedom of speech, the users. They'll be so fed up with it that they'll just legalize freedom of speech. Well, not only that, but, I mean, uh, history has shown that it's in, once a civilization has freedom of speech, once a minority group has the ability to speak freely and communicate specifically amongst themselves to plan revolution, all of those things, political change happens. It's impossible to restrict government, it, restrict people in a tyrannical fashion when they have freedom of speech. That's why it's the most fundamental value, the most fundamental freedom of all time. That's that's an interesting um, vision you have, a, a real theory for what uh, your app, which allows a certain ideal to be carried out, uh, you know, produces. So that actually kind of reminds me of my high school. My high school, they banned phones. Pretty much like the whole first half of the high school when when I was there. You mean freshman sophomore year? Yeah. Okay. So they banned phones, and eventually kids just started using their phones so much. You know, there are so many kids at detention because of their phones. So many kids getting their phones taken away. Parents complaining, kids complaining, people going to the board about phones. That they just eventually. They caved. They caved in. Phones yeah. are now allowed. Just yeah. try not to use them during classes. Wow. And 
did that bring down the um I uh, kind of the phone distract the phone problem almost the phone problem was mostly the enforcement right uh, behind it you know or that even reminds me of European countries their drinking rates they say there's less alcoholics in European countries even though the drinking age is 16 in many of those countries you know that's a really interesting point um especially the, it's a really interesting topic with um alcoholics being connected to drinking age um I don't have a huge um, understanding of this, so pardon me if I'm wrong on this. Um, but my understanding is that um, the reason that that is is because people get enfranchised. It, it's a, um, it's um, rebellious in America in the younger ages right. to drink, whereas in other countries it's just like, okay, I have a friend who grew up in France. And he was like, yeah, I mean, we had vodka at our parties all the time, but, I mean, nobody got drunk. Nobody got crazy drunk. There was, like, one guy in the corner who did, but we all laughed at him because he was an idiot. Right. And it wasn't cool. Exactly. Because it wasn't forbidden. You know, what's, what's really cool at that? Right. statement. It when wasn't you, when you cool you strip because things it back, wasn't forbidden. When you strip things back, it just comes to what's your personality like what's your character like what's the you know the actual social moment of a party right. instead of being like oh sh we have to get this effect on us asap and then acting like idiots man right it's it's wild how um people act so much more responsibly when it's almost incentivizing bad behavior um by making something forbidden which can be fun. Um, anything that is forbidden becomes cool. That's that's one of the reasons marijuana use is higher in the United States than most other countries. Because it's um, so illegal in some states, so, most states. Yeah. So yeah, um, because it's illegal, it's it's forbidden. It's um, it's rebellious. Um, exactly. Yeah, I can speak from firsthand experience. It's no way adds way more of a thrill. Yeah. When you're uh, on almost going like all, all, you're running from the law kind of feels like um, like you're uh, Billy the Kid or something. Right. I mean, when, when people are driving underage. Um, oh, that, those were thrills. Right. It's wild. Um, it's super exciting. And once you get that license. It's, it's fun, but it's not the same kind of fun. You have to like drive super fast for it to be. Fun in the same way. Exactly. Um, Extremes always get just heightened. driving um, when you're underage is really fun. Even if you're driving in like a legal area where like it's private property, it's still really fun because it still kind of feels forbidden. Exactly. You kind of get those. Uh, your bowels start moving a little bit. You get a little bit of butterflies yeah. in your stomach. Um, you it, it's the adrenaline. People get it, it's an adrenaline. Kind of makes you want to pee. <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, but honestly, biggest adrenaline high I ever had. Um, I was, I, I've told you about this before. I was driving, going about 70 in pouring rain, and someone swerves into me. I swerve to avoid them, and I spin out going 70 miles an hour. Bro. Um, it, it was crazy. It, it's an act of God that I'm here right now. I ended up hitting somebody else, which counterbalanced my rotating momentum perfectly such that I regained control of my car and was going straight again. Um, but 
when I stepped out of my car, I just felt this like pump in my chest as I felt the adrenaline like course through my body because that that's how you stay alive. That's what adrenaline is for. It's your it's your body's instinct to keep you alive in situations like that. And it was necessary. I mean, I wouldn't have survived. It time like slowed down. Right. I was perpendicular to traffic going 20 miles an hour or they're all going 70. One time in elementary school, I was sitting next to this dude, another kid during lunch and I'm talking to these people in front of me. He's right directly to the right of me and he goes for my glasses. I can see my peripheral and he's like trying to yank off my glasses. Mm -hmm. And then I put my hand over the one half of my glasses. Yeah. To keep them held down. Yeah. You know, kids used to steal my glasses when I was younger. Really? Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> you had glasses. That's how it works. Yeah, I had braces too. It didn't, Oof. And zits. Oof. So, uh, kind of had the, uh, the whole. You've the cleaned whole up look a little rocking. bit. I cleaned up a little bit. Cleaned yeah. Up a little just bit. a little bit. But, uh, and then my, in the middle of my glasses, it just snapped, right? Oof. From both. And I could remember that adrenaline just coursing through me. Yeah. It's like time slowed down. I remember, you know, all the, all the fellow students looking at me like, oh my gosh. Like, I, and I remember that slow motion. Anger and fear. Right. Anger and fear is what really triggers adrenaline in that kind of way. And the funny thing is, like, I should have been terrified, but what was going through my head during that accident was, don't get in a car accident, don't get in a car accident, don't hit anybody, because you don't want to pay more for insurance. Um, it was a life and death situation. My subconscious knew that, which is why I had adrenaline throwing, flowing through me. But my conscience was like, yeah, you don't want to pay more for car insurance. Like, yeah, you don't want to hit anybody. Well, logic and <laughs> logic and um, logic goes a long way in any oh, situation. Yeah. So yeah. that's probably good. Also, just quick thinking and the ability to react well. Being a good driver helps. I, I maintain that the best drivers are not those who drive the speed limit. People always tell me, oh, you're a good driver if you drive the speed limit. No, disagree. BS. BS. I'm a great driver. I never drive the speed limit. Right. So people who can respond to situations quickly are good drivers. And people who respond to situations quickly are typically those who drive fast because they feel more comfortable doing that. Don't tell me that people who drive the Daytona 500 drive the speed limit when they're on the road. Don't even tell me that. Right. There's no way. And difficult. they're the best drivers on the road. I guarantee it. It would definitely be difficult to go from not... 300, 200, 300 miles an hour to like, I don't know, 65. Yeah, that'd be that'd be tough. Yeah, no. Different worlds. really. I mean, you might you might just get driven by somebody else. That's what I do because I would get heck of speeding tickets if I'm used to going 200 and then I have to go. Oh, no, I have to go 65. Like, no, I, I'd end up going like at least 120. Good point. Um, so point. I, I just get an Uber everywhere. Also, they have the money to do that. So, Caleb. Yeah. You just dropped out of college. I did. Now, I was present during your journey and decision towards making this this huge decision, really. Uh, 
why don't you tell the tea time audience about how you came to that decision and you know where you're at now with it so um i I spent a lot of time thinking about it and i just kind of came to the conclusion that either i can do school well or i can work on my company well and my my life in my life on the whole i seek to do things with excellence as i think we all of us should um and if i can't do something with excellence it really bothers me um, so I realized that there's no way I could possibly build a company with excellence and be a student with excellence at the same time. And so the company won out because really the, um, I was actually just at my business partner, Christian Burns house, um, and his dad, um, phrased it pretty well. And I'm going to paraphrase what he said. Um, if this works, it's, the biggest it's one of the biggest innovations since the internet if it doesn't work nobody cares um but it's a very high risk high reward um choice to make but the reward is worth the risk because it can change the lives of so many people free so many people from tyranny i would be a disgusting piece of human excrement if I didn't make the choice to sacrifice whatever it took to go full steam ahead with this company because of the worldwide impact it can have. I like it. I like how you're full steam ahead. The the road will be difficult, however. Oh, absolutely. With a strong why you do it, uh, you can traverse a lot of... A lot of problems. I think Carl Jung said, if you have a why, there is almost no how that you can't accomplish. That was Friedrich Nietzsche. Was that Friedrich? Okay. Yeah. I think that was on my Snapchat story a couple really? days ago. Really? Okay. Is that where you saw it? No. <laughs> I don't really check Snapchat. Yeah, Instagram neither. stories are really all I check these days. Yeah. I'm a busy guy. Yeah, same. 100-hour weeks kill you, man. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Now... You're 20. I'm 20? Right? Yes. You're 20. You just finished your sophomore year. Mm -hmm. You dropped out of college. It's summertime. It's midsummer. Yeah. Okay. Now, typically, uh, last month, last week of August for us, so that's next month, okay, you would be heading back to school. But this now you're not. Right. So, you know, three months off of school so far for us, you know, for you specifically, that's not much. But when we start getting into where it's, wow, you've been out of school for how many months now? How do you how do you think you're going to feel? And what are your plans for all your free time? Well, see, free time isn't a thing for me. Um, I spend every waking second that I'm not I okay so I'm going to address the free time portion first and you're going to remind me of the other portion because I already forgot what it was after I assessed the free time portion um I'm a very industrious person so I hate wasting any time every second of my life has to be pushing towards some goal and so I've categorized my life into essentially four segments and I've trained myself to see each of them as accomplishing particular goals. 
First is God. Second is friends. Third is coding. And fourth is dancing. Um, you may have noticed that eating and sleeping don't really fall into those. And those are just the necessities that I have to do as little as possible to get by and do the rest. Um, so if it falls within those four categories, I will spend my time doing it. I tend to lean toward coding for my company as the top priority. Um, I do need to make time for God and things like that. Um, I know it's kind of a joke making time for the person who made time. Um, but it, it's, it's still a problem when you have the kind of schedule that I do. So free time isn't really a thing because I regiment my schedule so vigorously that everything has to be for a purpose. I, um, when I'm hanging out with my friends, I see that as a way to build relationships. Building relationships is the goal. Um, hanging out with them, I mean, that's, that's all right. But relationships are the goal. Um, there always has to be some agenda that I'm building. That's a good goal. Something building up. Um, what was your other question? What are you going to spend your time doing? Yeah, just coding and all of those four things. Currently, you have that internship at Booz Allen. Yeah. Or Booz, as you were talking about. Yeah. Will that end? Yeah, so that's, that's going to end on August 15th. Okay. Um, and after that... I hope to raise enough funding that I can just go full-time into Smoke Signals, my, my company. That is the goal. Um, I would love to just go straight into that. Um, if that doesn't happen, I'll get a job. Um, but if I can, I'd love to just go straight into my company because that's what I want to do, right? Um, my company is my dream. That's what I want to work on. As, as I mentioned before, I would be an incredibly selfish person if I didn't devote myself wholly to that as much as possible. I get what you mean about, you know, you have already starting your dream and it feels awesome. You're starting uh, on the path towards creating your dreams. and mm -hmm. But the path is so long, oh, so yeah. winding, so hard. I sent you that video earlier, right? Yeah, it's a great video. Yeah, it's, it's a funny video about... Um, you start a project and the the mess of a path that it takes to get there. It's it's really enjoyable. I'll, we'll put the link in the description. Yeah, I'll um, put the link in the description. Um, but actually, on what you were saying about when we love working on our companies, what we find important. I'm reading this book, 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. I'm actually rereading it. This is my second time through. Um, sometimes it takes a couple times through a book to really, really digest it. Um, this one might take me four, um, cause there's just so much there. I'll have to read it. Yeah. It's a quality book. Um, and one of the things he talks about is instead of pursuing happiness being your primary goal in life, happiness should not be your primary goal that you strive for. Searching for meaning ought to be the goal that you strive toward because meaning brings true joy. Happiness is temporary. Happiness fades away. Um, meaning lasts forever. And meaning brings happiness. Meaning brings a joy deeper than happy, fun things ever can. Um, 
they can never compare to one another. And both of us find meaning in what we're doing. We, he argues that we have a moral obligation to pursue what is meaningful. Um, not just we ought to do it. We have a moral obligation to pursue what is meaningful in our lives. And if we're doing anything less than that, we are um, committing an atrocity no, not only toward our own lives, but also toward all of humanity. Because um, another thing he talks about that's really interesting, that's actually really powerful, is every single action that is taken in all of life either takes us toward heaven or hell. Um, every single interaction you have with every single human being, every single way you use every single bit of your time is fundamentally important in the grand scheme of the world. It is a travesty the way that we seem to devalue our time because everything has a lasting impact. Let's say you talk to someone in the line as you're at Walmart. Yeah. Um, and comment on their, on their outfit. It makes them really happy, makes their day. Then they go and interact with their kids and they're able to, um, able to support their kids in a way that they probably weren't able to before because they have that really positive attitude. And then their kids impact other kids. Then it just keeps going out. And the one interaction that you make with one person has astronomical impacts on all of humanity. And if you have a negative interaction with that person it is just as impactful that's intense yeah it's really really um demanding of you that you really be responsible and take action in your life toward a, a powerful meaningful motive because otherwise you are actually bringing the world directly toward hell which is an astonishingly brutal statement um, but at the same time, pretty accurate, and I, I think it's true. Wow. Okay. So you uh, you find a lot of obligation in what you've chosen to do with your venture. You were talking earlier how you feel almost morally obligated to do something at this scale uh, so tell me a little bit more about how, tell me a little bit just more about that whole concept, that whole why you have behind you. Yeah. Um, for the past, I mean, even to only talk about American history for the past 250 years, um, people have been fighting and dying for free speech only in America for our right to, um, free speech as the most fundamental value of the American people. It's the first right in the Bill of Rights, um, and thereby the most important. Um, I mean, we can dispute that, but I think it's pretty safe to say. Um, and across the world, wars have been fought through all of history for the right to speak one's mind. And in no other country have we been has it been bestowed upon a people the ability to speak their mind in the same way that it is in America today. It is the co uh, the the um, epitomization of all of Western civilization's values being brought together 
um, coalescing in the United States' Constitution and Declaration of Independence. And people have fought and died in astonishing numbers to defend that both on our personal soil and across the world. And if all it takes for me to give people free speech across the entire world, anyone who has a phone or a laptop or anything, if all I have to do is drop out of college, what kind of scumbag do I have to be to, to spurn the, the investment, the lives lost that everybody has been working towards for all of history from the Magna Carta to the Declaration of Independence and everything in between in order to uh, motivate my own uh, ego and finish college? What kind of arrogant snob would I be to have to do that? Wow. Caleb, I just want to thank you for being on the show today. <laughs> uh, I'm excited you're going to be chilling here in Pittsburgh. You're from the Columbia, Maryland area. You're going to be chilling here in Pittsburgh for the weekend. I'm excited yep. to show you around Pittsburgh. It's beautiful. And what's your favorite quote to end off this podcast? Ooh, favorite quote. Um, I don't know. There are a couple ones I'm thinking about right now that I'm trying to puzzle out the one that i find really interesting at the moment is do it by the book but be the author i like that well that's all tea time audience till next time